Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I am your host, Nicole North, and I am joined by my dear, dear friend, my former uh, hairstylist, uh, everything, a former client, uh, Renee Boudreau. Welcome, Renee. Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to catch up with you. It is so great to catch up with you. I used to see you at least once every two months, minimum. And now I only get to see you on Zoom. Yeah, you'd have no idea the void. The void is limitless. (laughs) (laughs) So Renee is the founder and CEO of the WISP Collective. And I want to know more about this. A 2021 YWCA Woman of Distinction nominee in the pandemic innovator category. Tell me about that. It was a really, really exciting time during a very difficult season of my um, career. Um, I think that everyone globally has had a very unique to them COVID experience, but where my brick and mortar store existed in the Halton region of Ontario, Canada, my business was effectively closed for 12 out of 18 months. And, um, you know, during a time when human connection is so, so important to be told over and over again, that I'm not essential, not important and not valued was really, really difficult. So when my community honored people, women specifically, um, who made an impact in their categories during that difficult season, it really did, um, help me through a few different things. Number one, leveling up to the next part of my journey, but also number two, healing from that trauma. Because for the first time in almost two years, I sort of felt seen and heard and needed. So to be recognized um, during a time where, you know, healthcare is experiencing their own crisis and a lot of attention needs to be there. I think it felt really, really good for some emphasis to be on service providers who provide so much for humanity really as a whole. So it was a really amazing experience. I didn't win, but it just felt so good to be seen in such a very difficult category. It's an honor just to be nominated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true. It really, really was. And so I like to share that story just because I think as leaders and as women, um, it's uncomfortable to share our wins. And if I teach other people to do that, then I have to do the same. You are the epitome of someone who I believe leads by example. And I, uh, adore that about you. Um, Renee, uh, owned Salon Wisp for over eight years. And then she just jumped up and moved her whole family to Nova Scotia, <laughs> left me alone with my hair, um, but left me with uh, someone amazing to do it, uh, where she's striving to raise the brush one salon at a time through her brilliant style of educating and leading others. Uh, so tell us uh, from your perspective, what are you up to? Oh, it feels like <laughs> such a whirlwind and I'm kind of getting all the feelings as you're echoing all of that. 
back to me. Um, but basically I started a personal development journey a few years ago and became wildly committed to living my life in alignment, living my life in, in alignment with how I wanted to feel and being radically honest with myself about my core desires. And the more I leaned into that, the more I realized that, um, the things that I loved about salon ownership, like making an impact, having connection, um, being productive and lifting others up, you know, when the government shuts your business down for 12 months, you start to feel the need to diversify a little bit and maybe just stay true to those core desires and try to build a future that has a bit more dimension. So it was also an entrepreneurial goal of mine to build a brand, package it and sell it. And going through all of those steps really, I think, make me a better educator and a better leader. So when I sort of took my ego aside because I was so attached to the brand and really realized the things that lit me up, I recognized that this story is now um, a leveling up story because I moved to a new territory where um, it's smaller, so it's easier to make connections. And I feel like I can make an impact here that will last for a really long time. So I'm very invested in building a community with um, salon owners and independent hairdressers that are looking to um, fuel the industry and just make it better for everyone. That's, I, I love the way that you describe and you, uh, you know, if you ever, please go to um, Wisp Collective on Instagram and you have a incredible sense of community and the way that you talk about community and use that word is so sincere, right? You know, a lot of people talk about community um, and it, it's, they're just throwing in the word because they're supposed to, and you talk about it with such intent how did you build and how are you building that community? What does that, what does that look like, sound like, feel like? Well, to be honest, right now it's through education. So I have been literally hitting the pavement, knocking on doors and introducing myself to salon owners with the goal to better understand their pain points. And as I have been um, leaning into this desire, what I'm recognizing is that we are all the same, but different. So many salon owners and industry leaders are experiencing the same um, pain points. We are in such a socially, um, overstimulated workplace and yet salon owners and leaders are feeling alone and they are in desperate need of connection and community. So when I can empower them to share their struggles, um, we just gain so much more momentum as a collective. The other thing too is through collaboration and through connection, right? Because as leaders, we're also conditioned to always try to wear multiple different hats when really, right? Like that speaks to the relationship that you and I have with what I have found working with the Salon Wisp brand was the more open I was to collaborating with other experts, the more momentum I was giving myself and my team. So through sharing resources, the community is sort of evolving organically. So I'm really, really proud of that. And if you're listening to this and saying, well, I'm not a salon owner and you're tempted to pause this podcast or stop it, stop, um, because, you know, Renee is a salon owner, but she is so much more. She is someone who I... Uh, I look up to as an entrepreneur, like you are the, uh, from a, the notion of innovation 
and the way, exactly as you said, you found experts in your community and leveraged them to, I hate to use the word level up um, because it's so lame, uh, but you know what I mean? To uh, increase your capacity, to increase your reach, to grow, to grow. That's probably grow. The, the best word is that you leverage those experts to grow. You were innovative and innovative and you tried things always. And I resonate with that because I'm a, I'm a creative too, right? I, I'm always one with a wacky idea and people are like, sorry, what are you doing right now? You're just going to do that. Do you have any research? No, no, I, I I've just got to go with it. My gut says it and I'll figure it out. Everything's figure outable. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what it means um, you know, whiteboard talks a lot about being a limitless leader and, and that's about this idea of making your, your teams and your staff feel limitless. Like they can do anything that they can take risks, make mistakes, that they can fix their mistakes when they make them. So tell me about your journey because I got to watch it firsthand of leading others and finally landing at a place where you had led others so well that basically that team was, was purchased and, and, you know, you were able to sell the business, which I think is the, the ultimate sign of success. So tell me about your journey in becoming a limitless leader. How did you start and where did you end? So I love this question so much because it is such a, relevant theme in my industry right now because of the trauma that our industry has experienced. And I do believe that currently I'm working, um, in a territory where they are leading based on their past experiences. And, um, I, I love this question so much because they are now conditioned to wanting people to work as independently as possible because they are afraid and traumatized by past investments in team members. And what I believe has empowered hairstylists or creatives or anybody who works underneath of brand to really, really thrive is when there's an investment done on them, an investment on their careers, on their pathway and on their education as a whole. So I really do believe that in order, like it's an ecosystem basically. And in order for a stylist to go through a journey and truly thrive, then someone needs to invest in them. And the best way for us to do that is through education. So I believe that, uh, limitless opportunities comes to your team when you invest in them and you educate them. So let me see if I've captured this right. So, um, prior to the pandemic, was there a, a, a higher model for, um, hired staff versus chair rentals, as you call them. So in the business world, we might call this full-time staff versus contract staff or consultants. Yeah. I think also like burnout plays a, a, a key role in this. So basically prior to the pandemic, leaders in the industry were conditioned to eat last and the conditions of lockdowns really, um, 
made like amplified that gap between the leadership and the employees. So basically it created this frenzy of, I just need to look out for myself. And what that happens is we're just continuously limiting ourselves. So we need to see value in the different stages of growth for those employees and it not be, well, you do you and I'm going to do me because then there's a gap in the ecosystem. So if we continuously feed all the different levels of development, then we are going to be drinking from a full well. We're going to always have opportunities for everyone. So I do believe that you have to give back to the community that feeds you. Yeah. And so what what I'm hearing is, is that uh, rather than function on this uh, model of fear, which is rent a chair because it's temporary, it's impermanent, you know, you can kick them out of their chair, presumably whenever you need to, if they're not living up to your brand, but fundamentally you're not as invested in them as if you hired them and paid them and trained them and coached them and led them yourself. And therefore you can't see the growth in your brand, the growth in your community, the growth of your salon, if you just have these arm's length relationships versus um, an embraced relationship. I'm making a hugging uh, motion for those of you that can't see. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think that there is room for those sort of opportunities in the industry, so long as they are cultivated, so long as they are um, impactful. So what I mean by that is you could have a salon, for example, that has a chair rental opportunity, but that is something that is cultivated through growth under leadership, under the brand. And that way you're all working towards a common goal. So I think that there's room for it, but it just can't be fear-based. As you said, I just don't think that an environment that only wants to fill their salon with chair rentals that have individual businesses operating one brand. I mean, you're putting limits on what you can achieve together. So a limitless environment is one that works like an ecosystem and one that is invested in feeding each other. So I watched you go from uh, a salon in your basement to a salon attached to your house with one employee and then a student placement and then another stylist and then another stylist and then a concierge. Um, You grew that team. Tell me about how, if you're now looking back, what were your first leadership experiences like versus those at the end? How were you interacting with your team differently at the beginning than when you, mm. when you culminated your story? Uh, the first thing that pops up is, um, accountability, right? So, um, sure that they're invested in the outcome. So assigning outcomes instead of tasks, I believe is one of the areas that I grew so much as a leader because I became way less attached to human behaviors, right? Because I'm more attached to the outcome as opposed to their behaviors getting there. Um, I believe also, uh, not seeing, the fact that I operate differently as a threat and seeing that as a superpower. So um, living this way as a leader is uncomfortable. So I guess getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. So describe to me that 
notion of moving from task to outcome. Describe that for me with a, a, a like a, a tactical example, because I want people to understand what that means. And, and maybe I can echo it back to you and then you can give me an example. But what I hear from that is, instead of saying uh, you need to fill out the spreadsheet exactly like this at this time, um, instead, you are leading towards an outcome. The purpose of the spreadsheet is to grow our retail sales or whatever that might be. It needs to be complete by the end of the month. How and when you do that is up to you as long as the data is accurate and da, da, da. Do I have your intention yep. right there? For sure. So um, I really believe in numbers when you're growing a sustainable business, right? And there's this like age old sentiment that you can't grow what you don't measure. So, um, I liked to coach from a place of, well, the business has this goal in mind. And in order for us to get there, you need to have X amount in sales. So let's dive into your personal brand, who your ideal client is and the way you want to live your life behind the chair. And let's design a business that's going to provide that outcome. So yes, I mean, I need them to do the work and be independent, but creating an environment where all of those opportunities are possible is going to be a way for them to A, achieve limitless abundance, but also I believe that loyalty will come into play because you're, they're always making sure that they're living aligned during their life behind the chair. And it's something we teach in leadership all the time, right? The fundamental elements of great leadership are setting direction, setting vision, getting people to, to move towards those same goals. So you're right in alignment on that. Um, my other question is so many businesses and organizations are afraid of slash don't care slash just don't collect data. What inspired you to collect data? Cause I know that's a project that we worked very closely with you on. Um, what inspired you to, to move in that direction to collect data and what were the results? Um, well, money was what inspired me. Profits are what inspired me. So in order for me to live a life of abundance, um, I am attached to earning, earning. <laughs> so, um, I'm also, um, challenged by growth as well. So it was a huge motivator for me. So, um, that was the first thing was, okay, it feels like we have X amount money coming in, but yet I'm only feeding myself with X amount. So how can we leverage that? So that was step one to collecting the data. And then, um, when you see momentum happening, then you become sort of addicted. Like what else can we measure? What else, what other dials can we turn to maximize number one, like just like a healthy ecosystem for our teams to live in, but also, in that profits need to be considered because you can't feed the business if it's not making any money. Yeah. And actually, you know, we should recommend the book that, that you recommended to me that I run my business now by, and it is a game changer. Uh, and that's profit first. I'm trying to remember his name. He's got a Michael McAllowitz. <laughs> yes, there it is. Michael yes. McAllowitz. Um, an incredible book on a very tactical on the ground strategy to managing your income as an entrepreneur to make sure that you pay yourself first um, and, and then make adjustments otherwise. So the, the goal is you pay yourself first and then look at expenses. And I know that's contrary to what most people think. Most people think they um, 
take what they, their, their gross income, they take out their expenses, their taxes, all that. And what is left is yours. And this just is a bit of a mindset shift. And it says, well, what do you want to make? So instead of just letting expenses happen to you, control your expenses such that it allows you to meet the profit goals that you have. And it has been game-changing. As you know, I've never done the numbers in my business, but I do them now and I know them to the penny. Yeah. I, I am. If you also know me, I am very, um, flippant, you know, charge it, (laughs) charge it, charge it. I'm a, I'm a shopper. I love it. Um, I am now very fiscally concerned and I fight for every penny that I spend on my business, um, because of that. So thank you for that book recommendation. What did profit first do for you? Well, I just wanted to say I'm noticing how empowering it is for you to gain control over that, right? It gave me so much confidence that where I was putting my money and my energy was in the right places. And then um, I just wanted to just sidebar on that a little bit because our industry is starting to notice Profit First. So there is a book that is being released soon. I don't know the author, but it's Profit First for Salons. So I'm very excited about um, this this woman who wrote this book. But also there's there's another book that Michael McCallowicz wrote where I get this notion of assigning outcomes instead of tasks. And that is called run like clockwork. So it's just a really great way to like, you're managing your um, margins. Like every penny spent is a penny, not, not earned. But then also if we associate that same value to our time, I think that that's an invaluable, invaluable asset. So I did want to sidebar. I don't even remember what question you said, but oh, profit first. How did it change my business? Well, it made it profitable enough for me to sell it. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, And I actually, I want to get, I have a profit first accountant now. Yes. Um, who, how, do you have, do you have, do you use a profit first accountant or did you? I don't, but I was lucky enough to work with somebody who was open to profit first because it's, you know, in a lot of, uh, people in the financial world, they see it as something that's inefficient when it's really about habits, right? Like that's what profit first is. It's like personal development for and sure. Money. I, I mean, at its core base for those interested, it's about, um, the way basically I do it is I get a check from a client and I have percentages allocated for my corporate taxes, um, my HST or our sales taxes for my profit, for my owner's pay or my paycheck, my salary, um, and for operating expenses. And you basically work to adjust those percentages and slowly make adjustments month over month. So I get a big paycheck instead of just doing what I normally would do, which is like, Ooh, $10,000, 5,000 for me, 1000 for like, I would just randomly assign stuff, probably spend my income tax money, um, probably spend my corporate tax money because, you know, the accounting bill would come in next month and suddenly there was nothing left. Uh, this associates a percentage to it and it just builds these accounts up. So it's just, just such a cool methodology. Just go do it. Um, it if, if you're an entrepreneur, it is for you and helps helps you feel limitless in your financial capacity. Absolutely. And you said that you're not somebody who typically like you didn't do the numbers in your business before. And that was the one big takeaway with profit first is I no longer tell this story that I'm not good at numbers. I know, I know my numbers, I know how to turn the dials and I know how to make a profitable salon business. So just because I pay somebody else to punch the numbers into the spreadsheet, I no longer use the kind of language that says I'm not 
I'm not good at numbers. So I would like to thank Profit First Nation for empowering business owners everywhere. <laughs> 100%. I'm right behind you. Not there. a sponsored ad. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Um, now, that's an interesting little bit of a segue is limiting beliefs. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Wisp Salon Collective Mastermind. So tell us a little bit about the programming that you're offering, who it's for, why they should do it. Give us the scoop. Yeah. The, thank you so much. The Wisp Collective Community is a mastermind for independent hairstylists and salon owners. Um, it's leadership group training where I take you through a program. We um, gather once a month and it's really about cultivating a community of people so that I can encourage everyone to really collaborate so that we are um, spreading our energy um, around and using it for maximum momentum. And that's because through my, um, legwork, when I'm hitting the pavement, I'm discovering that so many salon owners have the same pain points, but yet we have very different sort of areas of genius. And if we really lean into that notion, then it's so great. And I just also love that it feeds into the notion of community over competition and, um, salon owners are only going to be as successful as the industry's health and wealth exists in their territory. So I really believe passionately that we need to just cultivate that. And so I'm excited to be here for it. Really, really fun. So what can uh, salon owners expect as an outcome from being a part of that collective? That's a great question too. I believe that WISP Collective specializes in raising the confidence in salon owners and hairdressers. So really empowering them so that they know that where they're putting their energy, where they're putting them time is moving that needle forward. Um, and uh, accountability is also a huge part of what people get out of that, as well as this sense of um, not being alone. So those things are all really great. And, um, it's been pretty amazing. The stuff that's come out of it. Like we've, um, coined the hashtags, uh, substitute stylist because every salon owner on the planet has been in that situation where they have a fully booked day. And then next thing you know, half their team has COVID. Well, when you have a community of people that are really by design there for each other to help you rise, like the sky's the limit in the ways that we can support each other. So I think that it's, it's been a really exciting journey. And I think that it's going to make such a huge impact for years to come in the industry in my region. Region. So I'm very excited about it. You know, like uh, entrepreneurship is lonely. So it's amazing to have someone to bounce ideas off of or share resources and, and say, Oh, I, I just got a subscription to this. Check this out. Right. You and I just did that on the phone uh, yes. before, <laughs> before we got here, right. Was quickly going, okay, what's everything you've learned in the last three months, share it with me. Great. Okay. Yeah. Not, you know, th that brings energy and confidence and inspiration and, and all of those things. So I can only imagine as a salon owner where, uh, you, you might not have access to those, those resources or those conversations on a daily basis and starting to think of your competitors as collaborators instead of absolutely. Absolutely. The one thing that comes to mind, which is a thorn in so many salon owners spine. And it's the first thing people ask when we gather is what sort of software do you use? Well, if we're working as a group and all of us have tried the different ones, we can really, as a collective, find out what the best one is for what purposes very quickly, very easily. So sharing resources is a huge part of the experience for sure. Spectacular. 
so Renee, where can individuals find you, hear from you, see you? Um, because Renee's energy is, uh, absolutely inspiring. Even if you are not a salon owner, I used to leave the salon after chatting with Renee and have a whole different, uh, vision and inspiration. And so you have to have some Renee in your life, whether it's for, uh, checking out the latest hair products, uh, that she recommends that are all amazing or the styles that she, uh, shows on her page and what she talks about on her podcast. Tell us where we can all have a little Renee in our lives. Yes. Thank you so much for asking. So I do have a podcast called the WISP Collective, a leadership podcast for salon owners. So you can check that out um, basically anywhere where podcasts live. Um, I have a website, wispcollectiveco.com, and there's links on the website to my Instagram and how you can be in touch with me. Currently, I'm offering one-on-one coaching and group coaching through the WISP Collective community. So amazing. So I hope that you uh, reach out. Um, Renee is all about leadership, removing limiting beliefs, helping your salon scale, being in alignment with what you're doing to what your personal values are, um, and kind of leading with intuition and grace. And, uh, I hope that you uh, enjoyed today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed, uh, and enjoy, uh, creeping Renee a little bit because she (laughs) is just a, a powerhouse to watch. Thanks for joining us today, Renee. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. Thanks for joining us at At The Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you want to keep up to date with everything that At The Whiteboard podcast is doing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at whiteboardconsult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca. Talk soon.